All right, how, how is everyone this morning? Pretty good? Yeah? Well, the first night at a retreat, I, I do remember this now, I, I said last night I hadn't been in a, a retreat like this in a long time, but the first night after, or the first morning after a retreat, uh, you've, you've slept in a bed that's not your own, or you've, 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 you've laid down on a bed that's not your own. You may not have slept because you keep waking up. And people keep asking me, I'm just going to be honest with you, people keep asking me, how did you sleep last night? I slept okay. <laughs> I woke up a lot because the mattress isn't the right firmness. And I brought my own pillow, but somehow my own pillow is not actually working out for me. So I use the pillows uh, that are here at Takeets Pines. But um, still, what a, what a tremendous gift from God to be in a beautiful place like this, to be in a little cottage, a little cabin like we're in. Uh, to have a night here, two nights here, and so uh, I know the second night's going to even be even better because uh, I'm used to that bed now, and, and I'm tired from the night before, so I'm going to fall right asleep, and I'm sure some of you experience the same thing. Well, we continue to think about what it means to taste and see that the Lord is good. Last night we talked about it, the fact that it begins with a blessing, and that even, even though the blessing sometimes of the Lord, the praise of the Lord, uh, is mixed because we, we have things at the table that we're just not comfortable with, that are, that are paining us, that are, we don't want to eat, we don't want to partake in. And yet God calls us to, to bless Him at all times. The psalmist cries out to us to bless Him at all times, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the fare, the assorted fare at the table may be. Well, today we're going to actually look at that spread at God's table. Verses 8 through 10 of Psalm 34 talk about tasting and seeing the goodness of the Lord at his table. How many of you uh, like movies? Movies? Anybody? Movies? Okay. Well, there is an obscure artistic film from 1987 called Babette's Feast. Does anybody know that one? You know of Babette's Feast, a few. Babette's Feast is, is uh, set in Denmark, and it's based on a religious community that was founded by this very authoritarian, autocratic uh, gentleman who uh, wanted his, his disciples, were the disciples of Jesus, of course, but his disciples to live austere, frugal lives. And of course, the, the area of Denmark that it was filmed in, you, you would see that it's a very austere place to live. It's very bleak. And, and very dark and very lonely and very cold and dreary. Any part of northern Europe tends to be that way. Well, the film is actually about two sisters who are the daughters of this gentleman who started this religious community. And he, he dies. And these two girls, it shows them when they were younger and how one of them wanted to do something that was outside of the religious community and their father wouldn't allow it. And another one wanted to do the same thing and their father wouldn't allow it. And these two sisters are the sweetest, dearest sisters. But they take over the work of their father when their father dies. And so they have this elderly and aging religious community that comes together. And all of a sudden, a woman from Paris comes to them named Babette. She comes to live with them because she's, she's, uh, there's strife in, in France at the time. She comes almost as a refugee in exile and she serves the community. Well, she serves the community in any way she can. She serves these two sisters, and she cares for them, and she cooks for them. In, in Paris, she happened to have been a, a famous chef. 
But when she's with the sisters, she cleans and she goes and buys the groceries and, and she takes care of all the household needs in the community. She doesn't really cook like she would when she was in Paris. But she wins the lottery back in Paris. She has this lottery ticket and wins this big sum of money that is actually going to bring her back to, to France. The, the political strife is over. She can go back. She can establish herself, a life for herself. She can be this you know, top-notch chef again in the city of Paris. And instead, she decides to bless this community that she's been living with in Denmark. And so she takes all of the proceeds of that lottery ticket and she purchases the finest foods, the finest wine, the finest ingredients, and has them shipped in so she can prepare a feast for this religious community that, that, that eats very meagerly, meat and potatoes. And she, she prepares this beautiful meal. And, and the people who come to the meal, the sisters, of course, are, are reticent about it at first, but when they come to the meal, the people don't know what to do because they've never had this kind of table fare before. They've never had this kind of spread before, and, and this is the finest of French cuisine. They do not know that the woman that's been living among them is, is a, an actual top-notch chef with his abilities, the culinary abilities that, that just blow their minds, would blow their minds away if they were able to, to actually be able to taste that kind of food. You, you see, the religious community that, that is depicted there believes that it's important to, to actually refrain from enjoying things, right? There's a lot of religious communities like that. We refrain from enjoying the good things of life. And so they don't taste and see the good things of life. But this Babette, she prepares this feast, and as they start to eat it, the big part of the film is watching them eat the food, the different courses, and, and their eyes just being uh, opened and widened, and, and, and them enjoying this new food that they've never tasted. And when I think about that movie and I think about that scene, I think about Babette's sacrifice and I think about her giving everything up that she had financially, she could have gone back to prepare this feast for this community and stay with this community. I think about the kind of sacrifice that God gives to us to prepare a feast for us. A table spread before us that is so rich and so good. But the whole idea of tasting and seeing is it's a, it's a call to action. It's an invitation like we talked about last night. You prepare a meal for your kids. You expect them to come down and, and actually partake of it. God, the Father, expects us to answer His invitation to come sit at the table. Taste and see is a call to action. It's imploring us to actually come to the table of God. And yet so many of us are unwilling, as Stephen just mentioned, to taste those things that, that seem odd or different or not so good to us, even when we haven't yet even tried them. We say, no, no, God, I, I'm not willing to come to your table because I'm not sure I'm going to like what's there. Now, I'm a kid of the 1970s, and in the 1970s, actually in the 60s too, they started that commercial for Life Cereal. You remember that commercial? Mikey? The little brother, Mikey hates everything, but they force the bowl of life cereal on their brother. He likes it. Hey, Mikey, he likes it. You see, the taste is to try something, something that we might actually think that we hate, but once we try God's table fare, we will discover that it's good. 
That may not always taste good like we talked about last night, but it is good for us because God does not invite us into His family, to His table, to poison us, to kill us, to make us sick. It's not like the situation I experienced uh, a couple years ago. I, I went down to Mexico and uh, I was with this group of community of faith that I'd never been with before, little Mexican church, and they had this huge spread for us. They had tostadas, they had uh, all kinds of ingredients that were there for us. There was lettuce and tomato, pico de gallo, and all the stuff that we could, we could have for this meal. Now my wife, she, uh, she thought, okay, this, this is a place we've never been before. We've been with other churches, and they know that, that, that our system doesn't handle the, the water very well, and that we don't handle, like, you know, vegetables being washed in the tap water. And she was smart enough to think, well, this is a church we've never had contact with before, so they may have prepared the meal, they may have washed the lettuce and the tomatoes in the tap water. And I'm thinking, oh, no, it's, who cares? We'll just eat it, you know, and God will protect me. Well, there were like... 45, 50 of us there, maybe more than that, 60 of us there, and, and God did not protect us. <laughs> I kid you not, I went home, a day later, I had an incredible stomach uh, virus, and about 40 other people had the same thing. Some had to actually go to the hospital. Uh, is, where's Jay? Is Jay here? Jay, this is, this, is, this, is not, this is not selling you on, on going to Mexico. So I, this, is, this, is not, this is not what it's usually like. So please. Uh, but, but God is not like that. He does not prepare a meal for us that's going to make us sick. He doesn't prepare things for us that, you know, as the scripture says, I don't give you more than you can handle. The Lord will only give you all that you can handle. And he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's always there with you at the meal. He's always there with you when you have to actually swallow and, and, and digest something that is not so good. That's painful for you. That's hurtful for you. But the call for us is to be willing to come to his table to taste and see his goodness. And some of us are unwilling. I had a friend just recently I was talking with. He's been in business. He's a CPA. He's been in business uh, on his own for about 30 years. And he has a niche business. He works with, he works with uh, uh, bioengineering firms that are creating some sort of you know, new uh, medical technology for, um, uh, for, for use. And he does all the accounting services for them. But they use him for a while and then they, then they let him go. Because they have their own in-house, or they get bought out by some, somebody, and they, you know, they, they take on uh, somebody, some, you know, they take on the in-house uh, accounting for themselves. And so recently, he's he's found himself in a place of just real dryness and emptiness. The table seems really bare for him. And he said to me, he said, Scott, you know, I've I've lived most of my life as a CPA in this business, just uh, being really, really cautious. And maybe that goes with the territory of being a CPA, I don't know. Kimiko, you're a CPA, so I don't know if it does or not. But there's, there's a cautiousness, certainly. But he said, I've been, at, I've been wondering if it's time for me to get out of the boat. He said, I've always been that guy who's in the boat. I have my, my hands just on the oars, holding tightly. And I know that Jesus is out there, like he was with Peter, saying, hey, David, come out, join me. 
take that leap of faith. Come and taste and see of my goodness. Don't, don't fear. Don't, don't worry. Don't have anxiety. Come follow me. And so my friend said, I'm wondering if God is actually calling me right now to taste something, to see something, to do something, to get out of the boat in a way that I never have before. And maybe, maybe that's where you are this morning is that God's been inviting you to His table, but you're too scared to go to His table because you're afraid that He's going to give you something. He's going to put a plate before you that just is not palatable. Or at least you fear that. But you're putting more focus, I think as David has been for a number of years, more focus on what you'll face as opposed to the one you're facing. What you'll actually experience as opposed to the one who calls you to follow him. Last night in our, in our small group, I, I, uh, Kamiko, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but it was a great analogy um, to the way that God kind of calls us to, to focus our eyes on him even when things are out of control around us or things are like Peter on the sea when the wind is is whipping all over the place and the waves are about ready to drown us that we keep our eyes and focus on Jesus. And when we do that, when we come to His table and realize that He invites us and He is the perfect host, that God the Father is the one who loves us so much that He gave His Son for us, He is not going to destroy us. He is not going to harm us. I think about the story in, in John 4. When we think, think about taste and seeing being a call to action, I think about the Samaritan woman whom Jesus meets at the well. And when he asks her to draw water for himself, they have that conversation that you're all familiar with, and, and he talks about how he can give living water. And then she realizes that he can give living water. She, she tastes and sees the goodness of the Lord in that moment. And what does she do? She goes and she declares to the entire village there in Samaria. She says, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? You see, when we taste and see the goodness of the Lord, we want to call other people to come and see the goodness of the Lord. So Psalm 34, 8-10 8, says this, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man, the woman, the child who takes refuge in Him. O oh, fear the Lord, you His saints. For those who lack Him, the black who fear Him, have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. You see, we got this spread at God's table, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I've been wondering, having had conversations with Pastor Paul and then just hearing a little more of your story, if, if, if God is intentionally bringing this theme that you started with 10 years ago into this 11th year of your life together because he has another taste and see moment for you that's planned. That he's calling you to take a step of faith, even though you may be fearful you may have some anxiety, some worry. You, you, you don't know what the future holds, but He's calling you to taste and see His goodness in this new decade of life. And He's going to show you something even greater and something different than you've seen before and tasted before. 
And I think the temptation in that is, is, to, is to actually decide not to take that invitation of the Lord to taste and see in this new decade of life, in this new decade of your community, in the things that you face that the fear can become so overwhelming. Where are we going to worship and where are we going to be and what's the life of our community going to look like? And it makes me think about the people of Israel when God calls them and rescues them in Exodus from the land of Egypt to bring them to a promised land. They were people that, that on their best days gave gratitude to God for His good things that He had given to them, but on most of the days they grumbled. They worried. They were fearful of what would happen to them. And I think God's call to the Crossway community right now is... is to take an example of the people of Israel and say, let's not be like that. Let's give gratitude to God today for all that He's given to us over these last 10 years and what He's going to give to us at His table this next 10 years. Let's give gratitude to Him. Let's not grumble and fear. Let's not be filled with anxiety. Let's not, let's not say we can't come to the table because we're so afraid of what we're going to find there. But God is calling this Crossway community, you, each one of you, to step out in faith and come to His table, to His invitation to a new season of life, a new season of tasting and seeing of His goodness. It says, blessed is the man, the woman, who takes refuge in Him. It makes me think about Psalm 46 and Psalm 91. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. And in a sense, right now, you as a CrossFit community are facing a time of trouble. You're facing a, a new reality for you as a community. And, and then I know some of you individually are facing difficult times. You may not have articulated it with the whole community here. You may hold the pain inside yourself. But you are facing something deep and difficult. And so at that point, at this, this moment right now, is God your refuge and your strength? Psalm 91 says... That he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Friends, this is, this is the only hope that we have. For whatever we face, whatever plate is before us, is that God is our refuge and our strength. That God is our shelter. My family, we travel to Europe every other summer. And mostly we go to Germany to see extended family. But many years ago, when my oldest, my 15-year-old, was, was first born, in 2003, 2004, we went to Germany to meet up with my wife's grandparents, and we took a trip with her grandparents, with my little baby daughter, Ellen, and my in-laws, and we took the train down to Seefeld, Austria. Seefeld uh, is, is near Innsbruck. It's a uh, mountain community, obviously, in the Alps. And it was a home of the Olympics a long time ago, or at least one of the Olympic events. And when we were there, we did a lot of hiking. And I don't know how many of you have ever traveled to Europe and done hiking in the Alps, but uh, they're all very similar, similar hikes and, and trails. But it's a similar setup. We uh, hiked one day, my, my wife, my father-in-law, and myself, and uh, we had to cross this, this patch of snow 
as we were going over the trail, which felt pretty precarious because it was just kind of a, it wasn't like a glacier, but it was kind of a slide all the way down if you slipped from the trail, from the kind of the grass, dirt, rock, over the snow, and then the other side. But once you got to the other side, you, you went up the trail and into like a little kind of cleft in the mountain, there was a lodge. And in the lodge had uh, a restaurant, like a Bierstube. It was a, you know, it was, a, it was a place you could stay for the night if you need to. And this was in the summer, so I, I just imagine what it would look like in the midst of, of a full-out snowy winter to have this little refuge up in this cleft of the rock in the mountains. And, and in the Alps, they have these little, little huts, these little homes, these little places of, of refuge. You can overnight, you can sleep, you can take, take uh, uh, a rest in, you can eat in. And they also have, they have, they have little refuges, refugees, or, or refuges that are little uh, huts that, that are just to get under in case of a storm. And as I thought about that experience many years ago, I thought this is, this is really, in a sense, what it means to, to take refuge in the Lord. It means to take refuge in the Lord in a world around us that is filled with descents and cliffs and drop-offs in dangerous, precarious paths, in inclement weather, and to rest like you did, we did in that little shelter, to rest in the Lord in the midst of the storms and the precipitous areas of life that we go through. And the psalmist says to us, when you taste and see that the Lord is good, you, you take Him as your refuge and you put your hope and your trust in Him as your refuge. You seek Him as your refuge. Psalmist goes on and says, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. We know that Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. That we're to put our hope and trust in God to provide all of our needs. Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount. What does Jesus say? He talks about the lilies of the field and the grass of the field. He talks to the birds of the air. And what does he say? The Heavenly Father provides for them. So how much more is he going to provide for you? How much more is he going to provide for me? And yet how often do we worry about those things that we lack or we think that we lack? We worry that somehow we're not going to have enough provision for the day. We worry... In, in, a, in really in a misplaced way. We worry like the people of Israel because they forgot to look back and say, wow, this is how God has provided for us over the years, over the months, over the days, over the weeks. So today, we can remember that and give thanks that, that God is not bringing us to a table that's going to poison us and kill us. He's bringing us to a table that's different but we are still going to taste and see the goodness of the Lord. And so we do not need to worry because when we fear Him, we put our trust in Him and our hope in Him, we have no lack. And then he says finally, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Huh. 
How many of you have ever seen a young lion? Anybody seen a young lion before? Out, out in the wild? Yes? Okay, we've seen them, in, we've seen them in, in the zoo. We were on a safari in Kruger National Park in South Africa. It was early morning. We were in this Range Rover with a guide, and a group of guys were with me. And there was this female, this lion coming through with her cubs. And her mouth, she looked up at us. I mean, I, I was freaked out. I had to look away. I, I mean, literally had to look away. She, she, her mouth was just along the side. There was blood just, just coming down like she had just had a kill. And, and I, I looked at her, and she looked at me, and then I looked away because the, it, was, it was such like a, an intense, like just fierce-looking kind of look in her eyes. And I thought, man, this is, this is the strongest of the beasts. These lions are strong. They are fierce. They are vicious. They are survivors. And yet, the psalmist says, even the lions suffer want and hunger. Because we know that ecosystems don't always work well for animals and Everything's interconnected, and if there are no rains, there's no growth. If there's no growth, there's, there's no sustaining of other animal life that they can, they can be uh, the predators for. And, and, and so they suffer hunger and want. But the psalmist says, we don't. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. We have it better than lions. We have it better than the king of beasts. God provides all of our needs. And He calls us to taste and see His goodness. Invitation to the table. Now, I don't know if you guys are fans of, of C.S. Lewis or, or the Chronicles of Narnia, but I remember when, in that story in The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, when the, the children, Penzi children, come into Narnia and first learn about Aslan the lion. That they meet Mr. Beaver. And Susan says, is he safe about Aslan? She says, I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And then Mr. Beaver says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And so right now, you might be looking for safety. And that might be what's preventing you from coming to God's table and experiencing His goodness. God is not a safe God. God is not a God who, who just lets us live in safety and comfort. But He is a good God. He is a good Father that we just talked about. And a good Father will not give you bad things. A good Father will not hurt you and harm you. And so God has not left or forsaken each one of you nor has He left and forsaken the Crossway community because this good Father, although He may not be safe, He is good. Now, whatever you face next as a Crossway community and as you face as individuals right now at God's table that He spread before you, it may not be what you want to eat. It may not be what you would like. I mean, my kids would like to have, or my son would like to have bacon every day. 
the bacon's not good for you. You guys know the comedian Jim Gaffigan? And he talks about, he has a bit about bacon, where he talks about bacon is, is like, you know, it has its own applause, like the actual, actual sizzling of bacon sounds like applause. Bacon! Bacon! And I think, yeah, that's, yeah, I'd like to eat bacon every day too, but it is, it's awful for you. It's awful for your heart. It's awful for your whole system. I'm sure we have some physicians here or some people who have medical background. You probably wouldn't advise eating bacon every day. Uh, we, get, we eat a lot of kale and a lot of broccoli. Uh, we eat a lot of kale and broccoli because we were part of a CSA, community-supported agriculture, through a farm called Tanaka Farms in Irvine. And so my kids have to eat a lot of kale and broccoli. They do not like kale. They do kind of like broccoli, but they do not like kale, but they have to eat kale because... You know, kale actually is pretty good for you. Broccoli's good for you as well. And there's some other vegetables that they eat that they don't really particularly care for, uh, but they're good for them. And when God calls us into this new season, it may not feel like it's good. It may not taste great, but, but, but God has something good for you in that. Something nutritious, dare I say. Something actually that's going to actually give you uh, strength and grow you and make you a stronger people as a community and stronger people as individuals? They say, you know, when you learn how to, learn how to ski or you learn how to do any kind of sport, but skiing, I think, is one that I think about. If you're not falling, you're not learning. If you're not struggling, you're not growing. And the same thing is true with coming to the Lord's table. If you're not experiencing some discomfort and something new and different, then you may not be growing. You may not be coming the, the person, the man, the woman that God wants you to be. So come taste and see the goodness of the Lord. It won't be safe. It won't be comfortable. It won't be always something that you would wish or desire, but God is going to use it to grow you and strengthen you. Tasting the table spread at God's table. We need to enjoy whatever He's put before us and experience it with a joy in our hearts. There's a little book that a woman named Ann Voskamp wrote called 1,000 Gifts. Dare to live life fully right where you are. And this woman, I don't know how many kids, she has like a, like a gaggle of kids. I mean, there's a huge amount of kids. She lives in a farm. Um, she's, a, she's a writer, obviously, and she, she's had some tough situations with her own children. And, uh, you know, they're, they're really, I mean, she homeschools, I think, all of her kids. And, uh, and, and they've had some medical challenges and whatnot, but she chose to, to write down over a series of, to, a series of days kind of the 1,000 gifts that God has given to her. And just to see in that everyday life, even through the pain and the, and the difficulty, the, the table that God had spread before her, and the goodness of that table. And I think that's a call for you and for me to, to do the same thing in our lives because, you know, right now, I'm, I could, and, and I'll share with you later a little bit just in some of my own, my own struggles, my own, my own plate that's empty at times or, or full at times or, or filled with things that I don't want to experience. And yet, as I reflect back on what God is doing in my life or has done in my life, and I know Pastor Paul probably has shared his own story, that, that, that God has grown me and there's been goodness that I've tasted and seen in, in those moments that have not been so comfortable and so um, what I would want them to be.
But it's in those moments that we experience the steadfast covenantal love of God for us, the, what's called in Hebrew the chesed love, that love that never dies for us, that love that commits itself to us no matter what the circumstances. And that's the kind of love that God has for you and for me and, and for the Crossway community. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted just to take a few moments. This is the only time I'll, I'll put you guys on the spot. Although, Kamiko, I'm sorry, I, kinda, I didn't ask you to share, but, but I, did, I did draw you out. But this is the only time I'll ask you to share for the weekend, so, um, other than your small groups. But what I would like to do is I'd like to think about God's new invitation to us to come and taste and see that he's good 10 years after your first invitation. And you're coming into this table now and maybe a little fearful and, and are we willing to sit down again? We're afraid. But what I would like to do just for a few moments is I'd like us to think about what God has done in his loving kindness to us, his goodness to us over the last 10 years and just name out of gratitude of heart the, the good table that God has spread before you individually and you corporately as a community of faith. And so um, I want to do that because I want that to be like the people of Israel in their best, their best days thought back to what God had done in their community and they gave thanks to him. So I just want this to be um, kind of crossway community blessings, so our gratitude. And this is really anything that you could say as you think about the last 10 years or the time you've been with Crossway, or just of, of your own life, what good food has God laid before you that you've been able to taste and see His, His goodness? So you don't have to be shy. We just throw out something. Maybe you, maybe you want to, this is really your time to witness, to testify to God's goodness, to give thanks to Him. And we'll write those things here. And these will just be, we could, you know, later on we can put them over on the side just as a reminder that, that this is the God who called the Crossway community to come to His table to taste and see His goodness over the last 10 years. And this is the same God who calls across the community in this next 10 years to come and taste His goodness, to sit at His table. And as He's provided so much for you in the past, He will do the same in the future. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Answered prayers. Right perspective on life. So that's been a blessing of God at His table. Faithful friends and community. That's beautiful. Okay. He saved us from the house fire. Wow. There's a story behind that. <laughs> saved us from the house fire. Your, your own personal house. Yeah. Saved from house fire. That's great. Okay. A, house of, a place of worship. Healing. Okay. Baptisms of the youth. Okay. So, baptisms of youth. Fruit, okay. Yeah, someone said we have, we have 75 adults and 75 kids, right? Is that, is that what you're being? Fruitful multiply? A lot of children. I think everyone I've asked, I said, so how many kids do you have? It, 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 at least three, it seems like. And some have four. I mean, not to say that those that only have two, you've you, you got you to catch up, but I mean, okay, fruitful multiply. You're just, you're just following the commandment of Genesis, right? You just, so... Faithful servants, okay. Reconciliation, okay. Okay, solitude and silence days. Okay, where's, where's your times? And... Okay, that's good. 
So worship times, authentic family culture, children's ministry, ongoing pursuit of God through trials. Okay. Solid biblical teaching. Wow. It's important. Wow. Brother safe from cancer. Missionaries? Missionaries. Zoning law change. That, okay. <laughs> Growth through affliction. That's interesting. You, ongoing pursuit of God through trials, growth through affliction. It's, it's like you as a community already have been experiencing what it means to taste and see God's goodness and sit at this table through difficult times. A house fire, cancer of a, of a, a beloved brother. Anyone else? Sharing. Quiet time sharing. Okay. Okay, crossway stories. Vulnerability. Any others? Olive Crest. Olive Crest. Absolutely. Okay. That's four years of rent free. Wow. Four years rent free. That needs to be up here. Four years. <laughs> no, seriously. That that is significant. Not not only as someone else said that you've had a place for ten years of worship, but you had that place for free for four years. Women's group, okay. Not the men's group. That's what they said. I just repeat. I, women's group. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Generosity of love and caring. Okay. That's that's a good one. Thousands of meals. Thousands of meals shared. Well, co- collectively, I'm sure you have. Yeah. Yeah, okay, annual retreat. Yes. Annual family retreat. And you know what? Your children will remember these times. Your kids will remember being here at this place, at Takeets Pines, with other kids, other families. It's powerful, powerful what you're doing for your kids in this space, in this period of time. That, that is something to give thanks for, that you've taken that time out. And I see your kids out here running around playing with their buddies and having a good time. This is, this is powerful. Uh, that's good. Word-centered. Okay. Wow. That is good. That... Now, you're the public defender, right? So, <laughs> Okay. Well, we... Um, it, just, a couple, just a couple more. A couple more? Yeah. Paul and Kate's faithfulness to church. Absolutely. Pastor Paul and Kate's faithfulness to church. Saturday prayer meetings. Okay. Maybe one more? Branching. Branching. Okay. Right. So I'll just say birthing new home groups. Birthing new home groups. So this is probably... This is probably just scratching the surface. This is, this is really just a, not an exhaustive list. But when you, when you look at this, and you think about just these things right here, the table that God's prepared for you and blessed you with, and, and you've had some, some meals 
you know, that, that have not, well, you've had the literal meals, okay, but you've had some, you've had some meals, like a brother being saved from cancer, that initially it wasn't a meal you wanted to face. It wasn't a plate you wanted before you, and yet God was with you in that. A house fire, tough times, pursuit of God through trials and affliction. It, that you, you have so much to be thankful for, and you have, you have a God who's already shown you that when you taste and see what He's put down on His table for you, that you are going to experience goodness. I know the time is short. We need to wrap up here and, and get into our small groups in a minute. But I just, I just want to actually pray a, a prayer of blessing upon you right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this dear community of followers of Jesus who have chosen over the last 10 years to, to come to your table, to sit at your table as your children, to eat of your fare, Lord. Even when they were worried or anxious, even were they not sure what you were going to put before them, and Lord God, this right here, this list of blessings and things to be thankful for this community is, is testimony to their having dined with you and fellowshiped with you. We thank you, Lord God, for each and everything here that you've given them to experience. We thank you for the faith that's grown in them and the connection they have to you and to one another. And we pray, Lord God, that they would continue to want to come to your table and to taste and see of your goodness, even, even in a new time and even new season. And may they remember always when they get discouraged all of these good gifts over these last ten years, your faithfulness to them, your goodness to them. And we pray that you would bless them and keep them, Lord. Make your face shine upon them, be gracious to them, lift the, up your countenance upon them and grant them peace, Lord, today as you did yesterday and tomorrow and forevermore. And in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.